It's episode six of Scare Zone Halloween Horror Nights podcast. And guys, you know, I'm not going to lie to you and say like this is live to tape. We just got done with our with our interview here, and you guys are going to love it. Chris, I'm sure they've already read it in the title, but who do we have today? We have got the king of Halloween <laughs> Horror Nights. To coin a phrase from Wayne's World, we are not worthy. No. It was Mr. Mike Aiello. Yeah, and guys, this interview, I'm telling you, I know a lot of you guys listen. Some of you guys are new planning Halloween Horror Nights trips, and that's awesome. I love you guys. But for a lot of us hardcore fans, uh, this is not the interview you guys probably have heard a thousand times. I can say that. I think we got some really exclusive content. I think we got some really interesting points of view, ways you guys may have not considered things, especially when it comes to maybe some ways the fans interact and the way things are decided. I, I found this interview to be crazy fascinating and uh, you know it goes a full hour and i wish we could have gone longer well let's not beat around the bush i think we pretty much got a walk through one of the houses i know exactly so <laughs> we'll just leave it at that guy so i mean there's yeah we at least have a handful of rooms for one of the bigger houses and out so we'll leave it that you'll hear it in the show and uh we'll let you go let's you know should we just go to it yeah let's do it all right here's our interview with mike i uh, we're joined today with a very special guest you know him as the creative director of halloween horror nights kind of the voice of the voiceless, if you will, uh, Mike Aiello, who is obviously, like I said, creative director and manning that Twitter account, uh, you know, very vibrantly. And we're so thrilled to have you on, Mike. Thanks for joining us here on ScareZone. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad, glad to be on this. I've never, I've been in Scare Zones. I've never been on Scare Well, Zones, it's so. a lot less frightening. Uh, we Sadly, you know, your buddy Scotty Tuhati is on the show and he is working right now at the Performance Center, so he could not join us. But usually when he is, he's on, it brings a little bit more intimidation than Chris and I, who are soft-spoken, uh, me, uh, me, a Southern gentleman and, and, and Chris from the UK. We don't exactly uh, portray the most intimidating uh, point of view. But, you know, we did this because Halloween Horror Nights in the recently, in just really, I feel like the last few years, I've been going since 2001. I think uh, Chris has been going somewhere similar around there, has really recently, I feel like, had this strong fan community that's come together. A lot of times it was a lot of us kind of separated. Again, I've been going every year for, you know, 15 years now. But now all of a sudden you're starting to see this fan community rise. Have you seen that now as you've sort of have taken the reins and now obviously made this bigger and better every year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the fan community is is absolutely amazing. And, you know, it, it's funny you say that. It, it really was kind of grassroots. Um, you know, even having been with the event as long as I have in, in various capacities, you know, the, the fans were always there. Just, you know, obviously technology and, right. and awareness thrown on the event. But, but you know, even as a character years ago when I was in the event, you know, you saw the same people coming night after night. Um, now, yes, that group of fans has grown exponentially um, over the last, you know, well, honestly, the last 10, 15 years. I mean, it's right. been this awesome progression of people that, that, you know, just love this event as much as we do, you know, creating it. But, but again, you know, I say this a lot in a lot of interviews because it's, it's, it's honestly true. We're, we're just as big fans as the fans of the event. Um, and, and yeah, there is this kind of awesome symbiotic relationship we have uh, between what we create and our fans and and there's this awesome kind of cyclical um, relationship that we have. Uh, it almost comes out like you're excited to be the voice of the fans, though you're the one creating it at this point. I think does it help that you came from that world of of you know going to Halloween Horror Nights? You knew about it previously. You weren't just thrown in this like we've had on uh, Julie Zimmerman and JP and all these people who helped create the thing when there was nothing. But when you kind of joined it, you were already active, especially when you joined Creative. Does it help? Do you think being that sort of 
Is that what makes you excited about it? Because you're just as thrilled as we are. Yeah, well, it, it started back. I was I attended the first event, oh, you yeah. know, with, with my father. You know, my that was our thing. My my dad and I every year uh, we bought tickets to Halloween Horror Nights uh, as soon as this park opened. You know, I've had a I've had a really cool history with this park even at a young age. My um, my grandfather was one of the city inspectors for the studios when it was being built. So I, I was actually, you know, when there was still dirt on the ground uh, before they laid concrete for Halloween Boulevard, you know. Uh, uh, Hollywood Boulevard, rather, not Halloween. Well, you know, <laughs> it depends on who you're talking um, to. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah, it depends on the time of year, I guess, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so, I mean, this park, um, this property has been, you know, a part of me and, and my family for, for, you know, for years and years and years. So, you know, we came here all the time as guests just to the normal park hours. But, you know, my dad is and was a, a huge uh, horror movie fan and a huge classic monster fan. You know, the, the, the Aurora model kits and all, all that stuff, you know, he, he, he just loved that stuff. So it was kind of in my bloodstream from the beginning, like the classic monsters, particularly Frankenstein. Frankenstein's my, my most favorite uh, character, either, either film or literary. I just, I love um, well, Frankenstein's monster. Let's be specific okay, yes. here. Um, you don't want uh, you don't want the wrath of the online community coming after you. That's right. Hey, that's the monster. It's not Frankenstein. He's the doctor. Because <laughs> um, uh, I'm also saying that too when I hear that in interviews. <laughs> of course, exactly. We're we're one uh, and the same here, but we, we I understand right. where you're coming from. <laughs> but but you know the the, the horror genre has been been a part of me and and what I've just loved even as a, at a young age. And so coming to Horror Nights was a no brainer for my dad and I, and we, we made it a, a, a night of it, you know, every single year we would attend. And I was here those, those, that first year and all through, um, even when I started working here in 96, um, you know, my, one of my first gigs with Horror Nights was one of the operational, uh, leads for the, um, uh, the, what was the disaster maze, which was earthquake at that sure. time. It was the um, oh gosh, the name's escaping me. But it was the it was a Crypt Keeper maze, and and it was two two films, uh, two, two sides of the two different films, uh, montage maze. And, and the fans are gonna, I know the fans are Chris, probably screaming Chris, Chris, out. do you know? I'm sure Chris can find this. If, Chris, uh, uh, wait, look, before Chris answers, before Chris answers, <laughs> I want I want him to know, and most of the fans, you guys probably know more about the event than <laughs> you creating. Because it, it it all it all blends together, like all, you know, people will name mazes that we've created even in the last five ten years, and I can't remember the year we did it because we're usually in the middle of the year that we're creating at that time. So this hard drive that is my brain only has so many gigs, and I I have to defrag every six months. Yeah. We've talked about that. There's the Halloween Horror Nights blur, where sometimes the years just kind of get all mixed up. It's all- yeah, yeah. But so Chris, what 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 year was that? Oh. <laughs> what, man. What, I, I think I'm defragging right now. Oh, come on, I, Chris. Uh, this is why you're I, here. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am going to look it up while you're talking. Okay, look it up in your own book and see what happens. Anyhow, I, I was I was a lead in the maze. And basically, you know, what, what our operational folks do now, um, you know, I did back then in, in 96. And then um, Hotel Hell was the first maze that I actually was a character in. Um, and that was, I believe it was 97. So you've been at it for um, a while. Was did you jump creative? Did you were you working first for Bill and Ted? Is that how you got into creative? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I was a performer in the event for, for from like '97 um, until about 2000, and around 2001, 2002 is when 
um, I was able to kind of transition into a limited creative capacity. I was brought on for uh, literally a four-hour writing session with Michael Roddy, who was a show director and writer sure. um, here at the parks at the time. He um, he brought me in simply based on a 12-page draft that I had kind of sneaked to him during a Blues Brothers rehearsal because he was my show director when I was a Blues Brother here in the parks for many years. But he was our show director. So one night during rehearsals, I said, hey, I know you, uh, you and, and Jason Sorrell uh, write and direct the shows. Uh, here's 12 pages of something I wrote. If you hate it, tell me you hate it, and then you can throw it away. But at least tell me why you hated it. So I, I, at the very least, I can learn. Um, and uh, so I gave it to him, and he said he'd look at it. And and then there was silence for you know for a couple weeks. And then suddenly, uh, one day in my green room at Blues Brothers, I got a call on, on the in-house telephone, and it was Michael. And he said, I want to bring you in for a couple hours this week to help me uh, write the last few pages of this year's show. And I was, I was completely blown away. So, so that was it. It was a four hour call with him and we batted around ideas. That was the the show, the Bill and Ted, it was the first year at islands. Right. In 2002. Um, so I helped with the, the last, basically the last six minutes of that show from a, a gag standpoint and some jokes and then assisting in, in some of the, the, the finale production, uh, just from a, a, a written word standpoint. And uh, and that that was my that was my my kind of toe dipping into the Horror Nights creative pool, uh, and then I and I did that and I was in the show that year. I got I played played a character in the show that year, which was a complete blast. <laughs> what were you? Um, what were you that year? Um, I was. Did you say I was a character that would be likened to a maybe a Gandalf? Okay, all right. <laughs> Gandalfish. <laughs> yes, I I was Randolph. a parody. Gandalfish character. Gotcha. Um, what and is I it think about I, that show, man? That people, uh, you know, every time it comes up, every almost every episode we talk about Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted was my entry point to even coming to Howard Nights in, in two thousand. You know, that was or two thousand one. That's what got me there because I'm a huge fan of the franchise. But it was kind of even weird for me to be a huge fan of that franchise in two thousand one. What is it though? You think that year after year people keep coming back, and even the fact that you said that's where you started, Jason, when he was on Jason Sorrell, he said that's how he got his start. What is it about that that's that special? Um, from I think Bill and Ted, at least at this point now, it's it's an institution. Right. I mean, it is it is a staple within the fabric of this event. What I what I think people really enjoy about the show, and again, that show has evolved so much since the early days. I know I listened to your interview with uh, Julie a couple of weeks ago, uh, talking about you know the, the the days of that show, and 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 yeah, she nailed it right. You know, right on the head. It was it was basically a Wild West overlay with Bill and Ted and a couple other characters in those first two years. Um, but then, uh, you know, and then, you know, Jason brought up the idea that he kind of brought to the table the idea of doing a completely different storyline and taking the guests on a, on a different journey, so to speak, a, uh, an excellent or bogus journey, depending on how you look at it. Um, and, uh, and again, it's evolved, but what I think people really love about the show is yes, this is a theme park. And, um, but I think that show truly embodies what I think this park set out to become in its initial steps, which was an edgier park, uh, a, a, a park that um, is willing to go places that, that, that other theme parks may not go. Um, and that show definitely does that. It did it then even in, in its more innocent days. And again, as comedy has evolved, people's mentality towards comedy has evolved. People's attention spans have, I would say maybe devolved. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember, you know, even in, in the, in the span of time that I wrote that show from, from 2002 until 2010 
it evolved even while I was doing it as far as the, the types of bits you, you could get away with from a content standpoint, but also from a, from a timing standpoint. You know, near the end, and actually the, the, the criteria we place on the show now, because pop culture is so diverse right now, I mean, there is so much out there that any one person can identify with or not, depending on, on what, you're, what you're tuned into. Right. We kind of, in the writing of that show, and Jason Horn helms the show now, he writes and, and, and directs the show now and does a, an amazing job. Uh, what we've kind of regulated for that show is, you know, we kind of got to go, uh, something's happening every page, something new, whether it's a new character or a bit is able to evolve into something else within the fabric of one page. Because um, that truly is what people's attention spans are for a show like that. As well as, you know, if you don't know the character that's coming out, wait 30 seconds and you'll know the next one that 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 is the mentality we kind of placed on that show all the while trying to place a although incredibly loose some sort of plot (laughs) not take it too seriously it's sketch comedy at at its purest form with bill and ted being that that bone and sinew that kind of guides everything together um and so I think for, for fans, it's, it's, it's what they, they, they make that a part of their night, you know, every single year just to see what are they going to do this year? Or, or I hope that this is in the show that that's something I hear all the yeah. time. And then, you know, we'll always get, why didn't you do this? You know, and then again, I can count on, on my hands and feet, how many reasons there are for including something versus not. Um, but, but again, that, that show for our guests has become, uh, again, there there are people that only know Bill and Ted from that show, which I think is hilarious. I'm sure. I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan, and I took people who definitely had never seen the movies. It did become my sort of pilgrimage in a weird way because there are years, many years, especially in the early time when I was like a teenager, where we'd go and maybe we didn't have the money for the Express Pass, or maybe there wasn't that option at that point. Where it didn't matter if we we, we would miss houses to make sure we saw Bill and Ted at least once. You know, that it was just like our little like haven and, and it's awesome. There's actually a, a Bill and Ted fan club and they make a pilgrimage just to Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando just to see Bill and Ted. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so cool. Well, speaking of Bill and Ted, you do have, you know, we, we're going to have on later close to the year, the guy who has been Ted for many years, uh, who is uh, sadly for a lot of us, uh, you know, putting down the, the wig and moving on. Uh, do you have any uh, thoughts and feelings towards him? And what's going to be the process like, if you can even talk about it, of finding uh, people that can really emulate those characters? Um, well, yeah, you, and you're, you're talking about uh, Jason Perry. He's yes. been our for, for many years. I actually cast him in his first Bill and Ted show as Ted. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's been amazing. He and, uh, and, and, and the other actor, PJ, they... They are Bill and Ted, and yeah, this year's and it happens. It happens over a course of time. You know, the 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 show, the show's Bill and Ted's oh, will go through. A, yeah, yeah, it's always been a little different. Um, and yeah, and with with Jason, you know, saying he, he's he's he is uh, stepping away. I'm actually really happy for him because I, I know it's it's going to open up some other doors for him to do things that he hasn't been able to do during the months of August, September, and October. You know. <laughs> Um, but, but he, he's been amazing. And, and that's the other thing about the, the, the casts that are hired for Bill and Ted, um, within a very short amount of time, cause it, it is a blend of, um, obviously with, with PJ and Jason having been those roles for a while, they, they, they've done the show many times and there are other individuals in the show, um, that audition every year and, 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 you know, we're able to find roles for them that they kind of fit into, uh, given whatever the content is that year, but it is a nice blend of, of, 
of seasoned performers that have done the show before and uh, literally half and half between that and, and brand new people that we're bringing into that sort of comedic show. Uh, Cause it, there is an adjustment period. It is, it is a, a show unlike any other, I think in, in, in the, in the universal, you know, content library. Absolutely. It is, it has its own form and function and that, that cast becomes a family very, very quickly. And, uh, and, and they're able to do a lot of cool things that, that, They'll never be able to do again. That's the other great thing about that show is that um, every year it is completely different and um, you got to make it a point to see it because you'll never see that show the same way ever again. M- much like, you know, the, 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 the content of Halloween Horror Nights, you know, the mazes that we produce, um, we rarely, I think one time, um, have brought, you know, a maze back exactly, you know, the way it was presented before, uh, which would be American Werewolf. Right. Uh, but but the, the fabric of the event is constantly shifting and changing. And as far as our whiteboard, when we begin our creative process, that is that that's at the top of the board to make sure that we're we're giving our guests something unique every single year, and and also something for us that's unique. Because um, again, last thing we want is to get kind of stuck in this this um, just a reproducing content that we've done in the past. Um, even with a, with a brand like Walking Dead. Uh, you know, every year we do our best to bring that to life in a very different way every year, um, simply because we we don't want to repeat. You know, as, as creators, we want to make sure that we're we're giving the event, the fans and ourselves something to be proud of every single year. Chris, you got something? Yeah, I was just going to say on that note, I mean, a lot of the fans do moan a bit about Walking Dead. But I, I want to go on the record of saying that I'm impressed every year how you raise the bar with that house. I mean, every year there's always something brand new and different to that particular house. Oh, I appreciate that, Chris. Thank you so much. And, here, and here's the thing, you know, and I, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, again, that's the other thing about our fan base is they are passionate. And that is something that you strive for, I think, in any sort of uh, – when you're in a creative capacity, you want a fan base to care about everything and however they want to care about it. I think that – all of that is a good thing, um, you know. And for us as creators, again, that that's our that's our goal is to bring something new and different to it. Especially if it's like a Walking Dead, where we have we've had we've been you know in a relationship with that brand for for many many years. Um, but and I but you know, the other thing you can't deny in any sort of conversation is the relevance that brand has. Oh yeah, it it is the single highest rated TV show. On, on any network right now, anywhere. And it is a horror brand. But it's funny, too, because I remember years ago, like when the first season, when uh, Darabont um, was um, um, involved, uh, seeing that season, the first season, I'd have been laughed out of the room if I came to our up and ups and said, hey, I want to do a maze based on this TV show. <laughs> and it's horror. I mean, literally, because we had never done that before. TV, again, we at that point, we had done Freddy, Jason, and Leatherface. Again, these are icons of horror. Yeah. But to Everything. come to the table and say, you know, hey, I want to do it. It's based on this zombie show. It's on AMC. And again, this is before it became The Walking Dead. It was right. still just Walking Dead, you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, and by, you know, that season was a huge hit. And then season two, everybody's ears, like a dog went, <gasps> and kind of looked up and went, oh, this is something. And then it was a no-brainer. It's like, yeah, let's get that in, let's get involved with them and uh and bring this to life for the fans that, that love this show. And that's what we do every year with that, with that show. And there is a, a huge fan base. Again, I, I'm on the Twitter page, so I, I I see everything. I see every comment, 
every single Twitter post. I see everything. I don't. Uh-oh. I don't acknowledge. It. I, <laughs> I, I see everything. My I have a work phone that is constantly plugged in that only is attached to that Twitter page. Um, I, I look at everything, and um, it is literally half and half. That that's a fact. It is for every post. It's like no, it's coming back again. There's a post that is. It's coming back again. I mean, literally, change the punctuation from an, from a from a dot 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 to an exclamation point, and that's that's how different those two posts are. Being that the fan community is so active now, how is has it changed at all how you work and how you do the rollout of these announcements? The fact that it has become you know something that trends number one on Twitter when a new house is announced has that fan interaction changed the system? I guess for Halloween Horror Nights. Um. It, Definitely the fan interaction. I think the process in which we reveal is definitely evolved. I mean, there was a time where everything got released. Went up. Yeah. yeah. It just went up. And for the for the, the the smaller fan base that was with us on those those early days, they would wait until the midnight reveal and then see everything. Um, but and I think this has to do also with attention spans as well and, and awareness of the event having grown. Um, to a, a nationwide status and with our, you know, our sister park in Hollywood, um, you know, we, we pretty much have kind of, you know, coast to coast, you know, horror night events that are really well known. Yeah. And, and even internationally too, you know, we're kind of got this awesome horror nights brand. So to be able to speak on that brand more consistently, meaning doing releases in, you know, April again, this, that was, I think the earliest we've ever was it February? I think February was the release. Yeah, it was. It was early. <laughs> yeah, but all that's just paying, you know, respect to the fact that people want to know. Yeah, you know, that, again, there's this huge fan base that is constantly engaged and constantly involved. So being able to space out our releases um, uh, to keep the energy of the fact that this event is coming again and it's new and different, and to to lengthen that process. Um, I think has benefited the event and it's been fun for the fans too. Yeah. Um, build up every, every month there's a buildup or, or less than that sometimes. Yeah. And there's people that I, I've talked to that are the, the, the furthest away from being a horror fan that, that know that don't go to horror movies that don't enjoy any horror literature or magazines or anything like that. Yeah. But yet they'll comment to me or say, Oh, I am excited about the exorcist. And I'm like, oh great! I didn't know you saw it. No, I've never seen it, but the the the, the trailer you guys put up looked pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great! And, and I have seen that. Like, look, I'm not. I would say I'm a horror fan. I'm like a mid level horror fan. Uh, I'm not like a giant, you know, hardcore fan. I'm a fan of the early stuff and the old Universal monsters and those kind of things are my sort of love. But I'm not a huge fan of of necessarily what's happening now. I still definitely go see occasional horror movies. I'm not a uh, I'm not against it like my wife, uh, but still I go every year to Halloween Horror Nights because it's become a spectacle, especially someone for me who uh, comes from sort of the filmmaking world, just to see the amount of effort you guys put in when it comes to set design and and just the the awe of, of the whole spectacle, the sort of art installation that is Halloween Horror Nights every year is just uh, mind-blowing for someone who, who understands this is just a temporary thing thrown up for, for a month or a month and a half now or two months. It's it's pretty outstanding. And I know Chris has a bunch of questions, so I'm not going to hog up all the airtime. So Chris, why don't you, why don't you got something? Well, I was just going to say, how excited are you for Chance's big return? And where did that idea come about? And, you know, how did the whole thing manifest? Uh, yeah, well, I'm extremely excited about having Chance kind of take the helm. And and for her as a character, being something that, the honestly, the fans built her to this point. 
because you know you know in uh jack's carnival of carnage uh, years ago you know she was she was in the show that year she she was a part of the show but she was a piece of that show she wasn't at that time necessarily perceived as jack's girlfriend however you want to say it um his his second in command um she wasn't perceived that way in that show but you know, and then with the 20th anniversary, having her out there with Jack that year, again, the fans really kind of made her, as they have other characters that have had semi-iconic status, you know, like the Eddies, the uh, Cindy, you know, the fans have, have really kept these characters alive. Um, so to for this year to be able to... Um, to bring chance up to that level and, and give her the pedestal for, for a year um, and kind of see the event through her eyes um, is really, really intriguing. And, and, and how we, we kind of landed there um, very honestly, 25 was a massive, massive hit um, almost from a creative standpoint, being terrified by how big a hit it was, <laughs> you know, uh, because again, it's our job every year to, make the next year even better. And you look at an event like Horror Nights 25 and go, holy crap. I mean, it just, even beyond what we felt it was going to be, it was that much more. Because there's, honestly, there's very few times where we'll create something and go, people are going, everyone everywhere is going to love this no matter what. It just doesn't work like that. How we create is we create something that we we enjoy, that we think others might enjoy, and we hope. That is really what this event, as far as, you know, at least since I've been involved in the event with, with our, our creative team here, and that, that creative team is immense. I mean, we've got show directors and writers and designers and technicians and fabricators and makeup artists. I mean, it, it is an army of people. So it, that's the other thing I always like to get across and anything, anytime I'm talking about the event is, is I am just the guy that gets to talk about it as others, but, but I represent a, a, a an amazing team of talented artists and designers and technicians um and frankly other divisions in our company that also touched this event marketing and, and our, our pr team and food and merch and I mean, all these entities coming together to create this this awesome hell on earth that is halloween horror nights um so knowing all of that about 25 the, the one thing we wrote on the board regardless of what path we were going to take was we want to take two steps away from 25, not eight. As far as the bones of the event, um, you know, looking at how much content we had from a maze stance scenario to a, how many scare zones to the roaming hordes to having two, diff two distinctly different show experiences, uh, as well as wanting to maintain an icon for the event. And knowing the status that Chance basically came to a kind of a, a, a pinnacle last year with, with the Carnage Returns, we really felt we had an opportunity to um, bring her into the fold as an icon officially and, and give our guests a, a page turn, so to speak, and, and show a different facet to her, or in this case, two very distinct facets. You know, the, the, the teaser video uh, alluded to the idea and also what I wrote on the, on the blog that she's she's living in two worlds and you know however much this gets across in the event you know our intention is that 26 is picking up literally where 25 left off uh that jack who is a he is a ghost he's a spirit you know he lives inside that box you know last year for the show he appeared 
in that box. You know, he is not a, 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 a physical person. He is an entity. He's a force. So the idea that he would maybe go back into the box and what his purpose of that is, is as it pertains to chance is something I think our fans can kind of figure out for themselves, but it placed her in a very unique position of whether she's taking the fall for the events of last year or for her to be placed inside this prison or asylum or whatever you want to call it um, has presented her with a new toy box, so to speak. And that in this cell that she occupies, she is building this new world for herself within the confines of that padded cell. And, uh, and I thought that we all thought that was very intriguing. It kind of, it gave us a little bit of a bloody Mary scenario where we kind of, that event was all about her and going into the mirror. Whereas this is about kind of going into her cell and into her mind, so to speak, and seeing the horrors that lie within. That is a lot of what her scare zone and her maze are going to to illustrate. Um, are those two worlds, this kind of battle between um, the institutional setting versus this amazing theater of the mind that she's built? Uh, and it's why she looks the way she looks right now. We evolved her look just as we've done with Jack over the various years he's been a part of the event. We wanted to do the same with Chance and 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 uh, bring uh, bring two sides of the coin to her, where you see this very manic version of her in in a in a, in a straight jacket, but also when she goes into her mind, you're seeing this very well put together, um, you know, character that um, that is the new ringmaster, for lack of a better word, if you want to take a Jack, you know, word. Um, for our event. And she's also applying everything she's learned from him. That's the other cool thing is that he's, he's kind of, you know, built her from a character standpoint, but also allow her to, 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 to create some things and bring some visuals into the fold that we haven't seen before. And again, her, her maze and her scare zone are, are going to, to really have fun with those, those ideologies. That's awesome. I'm just going to let you keep talking just in case you say something you're not supposed to. Uh, it really <laughs> helps us out. You Push him. Uh, the uh, you mentioned the icon, and this is a question I had quickly. Um, we had a four year absence or so of icons, and then now we've had two back to back. Are icons back for good, or are we just going to see it kind of come in and out? Um, I, I can't really say for sure right now because the thing about the the overall storyline for the event is it's a collaborative process between our team and our marketing team, and and what what's going to resonate with the guests in a particular year. Um, obviously, the content of the event also can affect how we want to market the event. Um, I do think this year when everything is fully revealed, uh, we have, I think for the first time in a long time, I think Jack's the only other one we've been able to do this successfully with is have an icon that can live with the brands that we have. Um, again, the, anytime we're, we're considering an icon, we're also trying to consider the environment that icon can live within. And is that icon open enough to house the various aspects of the event that wouldn't directly connect together on their own? That is the that's the that is the real object of an icon for the event, is that we want that icon to be the overall representative of all these other pieces and parts, but also the environment that all those pieces live in. A theater. Um, now we're talking about a, a, a theatrical theater, not a movie theater. A, a theatrical theater is is a stage that anything can occupy. So for us, it was a really great frame that the rest of the content of the event could in fact live within. Um, if it's presented that way. 
All right. I think that that's a great answer. I haven't really thought about it that way because I think a lot of us just see us see it from the outside and we don't see sort of the point of view that you guys have that, yes, obviously marketing has to do with it, but it has to do with the fact that you are building this story and even without an icon, you may be building what is a superior story to throwing in someone random. So Yeah, I just think it's an absolute brilliant idea to make a kind of sequel to the 25 event because the 25 event for me, as you say, both you and I have been going for years, the 25 event was just so good. It just was, it just, every single box was ticked and then exceeded. So if we're making a sequel or something that was just so brilliant, then I take my hat off to you, Mike. It's going to be brilliant already. Well, th this is it. But on that note, obviously we've got uh, some of the houses already um, announced, particularly the Exorcist. Um, I've, I've heard that that's been on the list for a long time. What is the process nowadays from, you know, getting ideas of, of IPs you want to use and IPs you can't and then, you know, how you bring those through with the IP holder to the actual house on the, on the year of the event? Mm -hmm. Well, the, so the IP process begins on two fronts that are separate at first that eventually converge together at a, at a date and time that is TBD in, in every year. Um, John and I and our teams will sit down with just a wish list. And again, you mentioned Exorcist has been on that list for a while, and it has. That's absolutely true. Um, and uh, and we'll get our heads together, and and between Hollywood and and, and Universal Orlando, we'll decide on what what brands we want to collaborate with, and what brands do we feel uh, Hollywood can do this brand this year, and then it might pave the way for UO to do it the next year, or vice versa. So there's kind of a of a strategy session when it comes to brands and how many we want to feature. Now, once we kind of lay on a brand, we'll use Exorcist as the example. Um, Exorcist, as you said, yeah, was kind of that white whale for us for, for a while. Um, and uh, and that was due to a lot of things. Mainly, uh, it wasn't available. It, was, it wasn't a brand contractually that, that was something that we could, we could work with. Um, and that, that was with Warner Brothers. And again, we've had a great relationship with Warner Brothers for a long, long time uh, from a Halloween standpoint um, and also from definitely a, a Harry Potter standpoint. Um, so we knew that they held the brand. So every year was just a simple ask, you know, is this something we could try and do this year? And for a while it was, it was not this year because of X, Y, and Z or for reasons they didn't disclose, which is also completely fine. Um, and we would move on. We go, okay, well then we'll, we'll, we'll try again next year. And this year we didn't even go to them. They came to us and said, guess what? <laughs> wow. It's available. <laughs> and we literally, there was this, the entire art and design division on both UO and Hollywood literally jumped in the air. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was as simple as that. It was, it's available now, let's do it. And it was a quick conversation with Warner brothers. And, uh, and then we went away, um, the two, you know, Murdy and, and Murdy's team and, and our team here went away to work on the creative. Um, and, uh, and, and again, it, it, Exorcist was one of those things that we'd wanted so long that we all had ideas of how we think we could do it. But then once we got the yes, we got into the room and everyone was silent. Yes. We're like, oh, oh my God, this is actually happening. You've um, actually got okay. to do it now, yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, there's all these you know, uh, delusions of grandeur sometimes that we'll go, well, we could do this and this. And, and then we go, okay, you know what? Now that we're actually doing it, um, let's watch the movie now with really that in mind, and and how can we can we attack this story? Because um, I, I mentioned in some of the, the again the blog and I think the Twitter page about um, is it's that's a movie that's easier said than done when you actually watch it 
And you come to the realization that that entire film takes place mostly in a single bedroom. Right. Um, even more so than than like Evil Dead was like everything takes place in the cabin. But luckily, there's a lot of rooms in the cabin. We might go back to that living room, you know, one or two times, but there's other places we can go. Exorcist, at least that first film, you don't have that luxury. I mean, everything of substance happens within Reagan's bedroom. So for us, it was many viewings uh, on top of the ones we already, you know, the times we already watched it, but now really dissecting every single scene. Literally, you know, we would take a, we would, we would get a script from, from WB and even in written word, piece out that script, almost like you would do for a production, you know, Logan, you know, this, but, you know, yeah. uh, breaking a script down for, for, for production script, you know, breaking that down into its environments, into its characters, into its moments and looking at them all separately. Um, I remember a day we had, you know, there were pages everywhere um, of, of, of ideas just kind of all separate, trying to figure out how we would come together with this. Um, and what I feel we've done um, is literally deconstruct that movie and then rebuild it in a maze scenario. Um, you know, I mentioned in the blog post about the, the you know, Reagan, the, the famous pea soup scene, how it's, you know, it's seconds on screen um but it's what we all remember you know so you have to yeah, yeah, figure it out yes so then it's like well do we do we want to portray that exactly as the movie or do we want to break that scene down and really um for lack of a better word milk it i mean milk that scene because it is so vile so how you know on a board we just wrote pea soup and then just abstractly just did ideas down the board of how we could you know expand on that and where we landed was you know presenting her being able to vomit at some point towards the guests, spoiler, but shove you into the mattress. So now you're inside this this vomit covered mattress and going and going through that, and she's still attacking you the entire way. So that that's an example of a, of a deconstruction. You know, the, the head turn scene. We've got a version of the of the bedroom that is an abstract version of that bedroom where um, you'll see Reagan almost on what looks to be a throne of mattresses high atop. And her head spinning around, and the whole room is based around revolution, you know. So it, it, we we've taken the ideas and 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 moments and really portrayed them in a unique way, while still giving you the power of Christ compels you as a scene, as a voyeuristic scene. You're walking into that set and seeing that, but we really felt we couldn't just replicate that bedroom the same way every time and just insert new moments. Um, exactly the same way. We all felt it would just, it would have been repetitive. Um, whereas what I think we've done is the opposite of that. I think we've been able to take something visually that is repetitive environmentally and really break it down and and give us the, the expanse of what the moments that a fan knows from that film. Wow, that sounds amazing. I can't wait. It's, it's definitely one of those movies that actually scares me. Uh, not that a lot of movies don't. So I'm interested to see how you guys portray it. Now that I know just a little bit, I know it genuinely... I love the fact there's a house this year. Not there haven't been. There are plenty of houses I've gone in being nervous. Or this one I'm genuinely terrified of. And I can't wait to see what happens, what you guys come up with. And you're well, we're, we're under three months out now. Where's your brain at right now? And, and what kind of decisions are left to be made for you? Do... Do things often change now in the last you know quarter coming in? Uh, the the ability to change is ever present. 
Um, uh, it, hap it happens all the time. I mean, some things are small changes, while others can be massive changes, and that's happened quite often in the you know the the the, the decade or more that I've been involved creatively on this event. Um, but uh, but right now we're we're in full tilt construction and scenic mode. We I can say we have one two three four mazes completely finished right now, wow. and that's construction scenic decor. Um, audio is probably three out of the four is completely installed. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we are, we're moving. Um, that's the other thing about this event that, that few people know is this event's built extremely fast. Um, our, our teams, uh, literally work like a train, um, and in tandem with each other, kind of moving from house to house, location to location, um, adding that next layer as they go through, as that train kind of goes through all, all the mazes. Um, so right now it's about uh, maintaining the vision that we set out, you know, as far as the written word. Um, and that, that's all the teams right now, trying to maintain that vision, knowing that there's a lot of reality, you know, uh, encroaching in, which is a positive and a negative sometimes. You know, you, there'll be times we'll go into a room and and it looked really great on paper and go, oh man, we we need to uh, we need to make some changes in this room, but the scare is not as as effective, or the audio is not working exactly how we had pictured it in our heads. But the other beautiful thing about our process and our team is we're we're trunk show mentality. We're theater people, and and theater evolves and changes, and 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 that that's what this this process is all about. Um, is we're able to really react very quickly. Um, to affect any sort of change or, or, or even add, you know, we'll get into room and go, man, you know, it'd be really great if we added five more characters here, or if we added this effect and then, you know, uh, our, our, our budget guys go, well, you can, well, can you afford it? And I said, well, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, and we, we make that, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's an all in effort from all disciplines to try and put out the best product we possibly can. Yeah. I've got, just one more question, but just before I go into that, I think your first house as ops was Crypt Keeper Studio Tour of Terror. That's it. So my my last question is, um, over the years that you've been involved creatively with the event, what has been your personal favorite house, whether it's one that you've worked on or one that you've experienced? Oh, Chris. That's, not, that's, uh, that's like a, a million-dollar question. <laughs> that's always a hard question. One with the baby um, heads. Come on. That was my favorite. <laughs> Uh, Dollhouse was amazing. I love that. that was, uh, I loved it. Bodybuilders, bodybuilders with baby heads. <laughs> um, so I, okay. Um, I'll divide it into I'll divide it two categories. I'll, I'll say uh, a branded maze that is my my favorite. Um, oh God! I mean, obviously, obviously, American Werewolf and Halloween are my 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 top you know horror films of all time. But the, probably the one I, I think I had the most fun in in the entire process would have to be from a brand related maze would have to be Cabin in the Woods just because of the variety of characters, um, the variety of the, the two different environments. Um, Drew Goddard was just so cool to work with, um, and to know that I was one Kevin Bacon step away from Joss Whedon was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> So Cabin in the Woods, I think, and considering it was on no one's radar from a from a business standpoint, like it wasn't it wasn't the top marketed maze. It didn't it even didn't really do well in the theater, but did a massive cult following on, on home video. Um, 
uh, for it to be the number one maze that year, I thought was was really really cool, and uh, um, I really really enjoyed that maze a lot. It had a lot of a lot of really cool detail into it. Again, we got to design all those props in the attic, you know, from scratch. It, it was just it was just a lot of fun. Um, but my favorite original maze. Um, oh gosh, uh, I would probably say. I would, from a story standpoint, I would say uh, the Forsaken. Uh, it was a B seventy nine maze, yeah. uh, our parade building, and um, just from a story, I, I it was our opportunity to kind of rewrite history. We kind of did it with um, Nightingales as well. Mm-hmm. The historical rooted mazes I like because there is an element of of fact in the in the storyline, but then we kind of Doctor Who it, where we kind of uh, <laughs> our own our own plot to it. Um, and, uh, so Forsaken was the storyline of, of the Christopher Columbus's voyage, the need of the pen of the Santa Maria. And then we said there was a fourth ship that that captain, uh, claimed mutiny on, on the rest of the fleet because he wanted to be the one to discover the new world. Um, so Columbus sank that ship to the bottom of the ocean, struck it from the record and cursed it. So then the tsunami storm carries the, the, the wreckage of this undersea ship and drops it right into a Spanish fort. Um, I just, I, I just liked that story. Any storyline that I, any original storyline that I could say that could be a Doctor Who episode. Um, <laughs> we end up really, because again, these are storylines that, that, or a Twilight Zone episode or, or something like that. Uh, Nightingales, another perfect example. There, there, there are these creatures that, um, that um, are drawn towards carnage because they're more of a carrion species, you know. Um, that they would they would go towards areas of war, knowing that there it's easy pickings. Uh, and using the Battle of Somme, that that was the the, the 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 battle that we used as our as our template, which was the bloodiest um, uh, battle. Um, actually, just celebrated anniversary a couple year, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, so we kind of based it in that. And I remember writing the backstory. I didn't write any rooms of that maze until I wrote. Uh, it was a four page letters to home from a man that was injured in one of the tents and it was his letters to his loved ones back home describing the the occurrences that were happening over a couple of weeks that he was experiencing these strange creatures coming in the middle of the night but again he's in this kind of medically induced state whether he thinks things are real or it's a hallucination was still you know up up for debate but i i just loved writing that backstory um Regardless if it ever made any of it made it into the maze, it was just a nice. Um, again, we, we we try and provide the mazes from an original standpoint with the the elements of the skeleton, um, but the rest of the maze being everything that goes on top of it. Right. But if we can root it in something that we're really passionate about, and that again for those two mazes in particular are, have an element of fact based to them, I think are really intriguing, and and we have a, we have a, a lot of fun with those original mazes. Absolutely. And, you know, I love those as well. And you brought up, and this is a question, you know, you brought up IPs, even like Doctor Who, which may not fit necessarily in Halloween Horror Nights, but you brought up some of these other ones. Are there any IPs you can even talk about that you'd love to explore that maybe you haven't had the opportunity yet? Oh, Doctor Who would be amazing. (laughs) Doctor Who themed themed year. (laughs) I I live near one of the Doctor Who's. Why don't we make this happen? We'll have a Halloween Horror Nights house of Doctor Who. When you mean you live near one of the Doctor Who's, like one of the actors? Yeah, Tom Baker. Oh, there you go. Oh yeah, oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, come on. It, it, that, that, that's one of those, another one of those white whales, and and 
I can neither confirm nor deny whether we engage Ooh. in any conversation. <laughs> oh, something's um, happened there. But again, but again, you you know, you, our event is a is a as far as its themes are dra- dramatically different than some of the content on that show. Yeah. So, but again, it's not to say that we're not inspired by that brand all the time, you know, um, or any other. It, again, pop culture is pop culture. We'll feed off something that we see, and you know whether you've got a keen eye or not. We've probably put something about it in the event. I can safely say I've we've had a somewhat of a, uh, a Doctor Who tribute in many of the years since I've been involved in Halloween Hard Nights. I really Werewolf, love- Werewolf Maze had a TARDIS in it, didn't it? It had a police box. It sure did. <laughs> police box. Yeah, okay. you can't call it a TARDIS. <laughs> it, had a, it, had a, it had a police box. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, just to, just to wrap up, Mike. So you got to get going. Oh, wait, Thank what, you so what, much. What, oh, go ahead. Thing. I'm gonna step on. Another thing. Uh, another here's a, here's another um, little uh, bit of trivia. In the in the first Walking Dead maze we ever did, um, we had um, we had the RV and it was like a there was like a mechanic. It looked like yeah. a mechanic shop. There were toolboxes everywhere, and we and hidden in the toolboxes next to the screwdrivers was a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> You gotta keep your eyes peeled. Quit closing your eyes. Quit running through. It doesn't matter if the wait's eight hundred minutes. Just just go go through. Uh, oh man, that's that's awesome. And I'm glad to say I know last year there was some some you know, our friends Tom and Dan. There were some Tom and Dan references thrown in some houses. So even some local Orlando love uh, happened in that's, there. That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. good good with uh, with Tom and Dan. Yeah, yeah there was a, a sticker or two uh, hidden within the mazes. So. Jason Sorrell was on the podcast a couple episodes back, and and he you know loves talking about Halloween Horror Nights. He brought him on. He mentioned, and I this keeps keep it quick. He mentioned a specific house or scare zone or experience that both you and him are super excited about this year. Has that been announced yet? It has. That was the Exorcist. That was the Exorcist. Okay, it, it was unclear because I even told him he's like, and he kind of he kind of was vague about it. And asked Mike, so that was the Exorcist. I just wanted to. Uh, Confirm that for all the people that listened to our show before. Well, man, any uh, I, I know that that you know new announcements have got to be coming around soon. You know, we're 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 close. I know you can't really probably tease, but can you even tease when we may hear something next? Um, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably tomorrow when made, the show is just going live, and tomorrow we'll get done. No. I made the mistake a couple years ago of hinting at a release, and then that release date changed, and I was. I was vilified on Twitter. <laughs> well, we will so leave you I, alone then. I make it a point never to give any hints of when we're releasing anything because because ultimately I'm not in complete control of when things get released. Sometime before <laughs> September 19th, we'll know a lot more. Absolutely. Any pain between now and then. I imagine all shall be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, we look forward to this year. We, we're going, Chris and I, and a bunch of us are going to do an RIP private tour this year, so we're excited. It's our first year doing that. So we get to see everything. Well, let me know. Let me know when you guys are here. All right, man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, let's get Chance on the show, too. Come on. Bring her on. We'll, we'll, we want to talk to her next. <laughs> uh, she's elusive, and she's very elusive. <laughs> all right all right we'll see what we can do all right thank you mike i appreciate it and obviously as you guys know uh the tickets and everything are on sale now halloweenhornights.com and uh, checking out anything else you'd like to plug i know this is why you're here but people i'm, I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast already follows you on twitter already is is uh on top of what's going on but is there anything else you'd like to 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 promote for us uh i mean no the horror nights is, it's, it's coming you know and and uh and, and the other thing too that to, to point out too just real quick is is uh, and also something that the fans don't always know is 
is uh, our team, we, we're responsible for all the entertainment in the resort. So Horror Nights is a, is a piece and part of that. Um, you know, we, we were involved uh, a little bit in the, in the, in King Kong. In yeah, bro, the, I was going to bring that up. We were running out of time. So Kong, there, there's some Halloween Horror Nights even elements in that, right? I wouldn't say it's Horror Nights elements. Cause it, I, I, I always think, I don't think it's nearly as intense at all. Okay. I mean, it, it is a character that, that, that allows you to further dive into the visual storyline that that Q line is, 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 is telling. Um, but, but again, it's, it's, it's a boo hole type scenario. Um, but, but it's fun. And we were just really happy that anybody even wanted to do something even like a horror nights gag in, in, in one of the Q lines. And again, that Q line is so amazing. The ride is amazing, but, but, uh, but again, the, the, the depth and layers in that Q line and to, to have a, a performer in there adding another level of storytelling to the queue is, uh, is really cool. So we're really, really happy with that. Um, and, uh, and your handy work all year. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all around. We're, we're, we're everywhere. <laughs> well, thank you, Mike. Uh, we can't really thank you enough for, for coming on this, uh, you know, little fanboy podcast and talking to us, but it's been, a, been awesome. And I hope uh, we got some new information out there for people who, who maybe don't know necessarily all the behind the scenes, exactly what you guys do. And again, just, just thank you so much for your work and for hopping on here. Oh, uh, no, my pleasure, Logan, Chris, great to talk with you guys. Happy Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween as well. well. We'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Happy Halloween. <laughs> All right, guys. That was our interview. And as you can tell, we learned a lot. Right, Chris? Uh, <laughs> it's educational. Just, it was just amazing to speak to Mike. He is just uh, – he's just brilliant. Yeah, and so nice. I mean, look, guys, this is what I can say about Universal in general. Obviously, I do some Disney podcasts. I do some other stuff. The Universal people – the team members and the people who work in press and Mike and all these people have just been amazing to us and have been awesome. They embrace the fans probably more than any, you know, theme park community I've ever seen. So the fact that we were able to, you know, just six episodes into this show have, you know, the top of the top, really Halloween Horror Nights on shows you, you know, how willing they are to really uh, share that love with us. And, we didn't talk about it earlier. Probably should. Scott, obviously, Scotty Too Hotty Garland, not in again this week. Sadly, he. I've been talking to him on Facebook Messenger. He's been sitting here. He's good friends of Mike, but he is working right now for the WWE, so his schedule sometimes a little tight. I'm sure he'll be on the next episode. Well, Chris, we didn't talk about it last time because my computer died, and then my computer was left in Danville, Illinois, when I was out there with Dick Van Dyke, and I just got my computer back, so it's been a while since we've had a new episode. But since then, your book has come out. My book is out. It's it's. It's being sold across the interwebs, across a number of uh, actual stores. I mean, I was getting messages last night from people saying, hey, I've just found it in my local comic book store. That's thank awesome. you so much. So, you know, I've been getting so much really good feedback, and I'm really grateful. So thank you to everyone that's already bought it and sent me messages about it. Yeah, I got my copy, and uh, it's awesome. I've been reading it through. I've been uh, taking a look at the at the touring plans and everything, though we're doing the RIP tour. It's not necessary, but, you know, I'd like to look at them anyway, and who knows? I can, I can help. We can help people out when they have their own questions about planning their trip to Halloween Horror Nights. You can find that book and also our podcast, Scott's eBay Store, and so much more over on our website, which is just scarezone.com. You'll see a cover of his book. You click right there, go straight to Amazon. Or you can just obviously search for it on Amazon. What's it called then, Chris? It's the called The Survivor's We couldn't even say that last time. Yeah, we couldn't even say it last time. <laughs> but no, it's The Survivor's Guide to Halloween Horror Nights 2016. There you go, guys. And Survivor's Guide. Yep. Big picture of Jack on the front with 2016 carved in his forehead. It is pretty easy to spot. And you can find that on our website again at ScareZone. Uh, we do have a lot of great episodes coming up. I know, like I said, we were a little delayed in getting new episodes up. And that was really because 
honestly, I left my computer in Danville, Illinois, in a hotel there, and I finally got it back uh, the end of last week. And Mike, they reached out and said Mike wanted to be on. So we said, that's got to be our next episode. We've got to have Mike on. But you did an interview, too, that's going to be coming up in our next episode. I did. I managed to sit down with Eileen Depps, who um, worked on the uh, original Exorcist movie. And she sort of lets me in behind the scenes just to tell me basically how the whole thing was put together. Yeah. Um, and what she thinks will come of that for Halloween Horror Nights coming up. Yeah. Um, and then you managed to sit down with one of the original co-creators, I yeah. believe. John Paul Gertz, we've been teasing that forever because we recorded it. I mean, he was, the pro- he was the first person that said, yes, I want to talk. Uh, and he is is just an amazing interview. And we will get to that one. That will probably be in two episodes from now. So stay tuned. You never know what comes up. Next announcement, I'm sure we'll be popping on here and do another episode. But that'll do it for Scare Zone this week. Chris, you got anything else for us? How do, you, how do people follow you and, and reach out to you? Uh, it's uh, hhnunofficial.com, uh, Facebook, just look me up, um, and then Twitter, uh, I'm at Christopher Rip. Awesome. And for us guys, look at at SZ Podcast, SZ, like Scare Zone Podcast, on Twitter, on Instagram. Do we have an Instagram? Friend Travis is taking over to take some photos. It's awesome. Uh, follow him, and, and he's doing that on Scare Zone. Like I said, it's SZ Podcast on Instagram. Facebook, it's just facebook.com slash Scare Zone. You check us out on all of those entities. And if you wouldn't mind, because a lot of people listen to the show and really appreciate everybody, go on over to iTunes and write us a review uh, if you like the show. If you don't, leave it alone. But if you like the show, go write a review. It really helps us out a lot. And that'll do it for this week of Scare Zone. Remember, keep your eyes closed and your ears open. We'll talk to you on the next show. This has been a production of Love Brown Studios. Copyright 2016.